to another episode of Superman the Movie Minute. The show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies is 1978's Superman the Movie, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly. And joining me on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Howdy, Chris. Great to be back for episode two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's get through these credits and on to Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> let's, get to, let's get to Krypton. So, yeah, this, uh, this uh, the first uh, second five minutes of this movie, five minute, minutes at five through ten, it opens with the credit, executive producer Ilya Salkine, and it ends with the three Phantom Zone, well, not yet Phantom Zone criminals, but soon to be the Phantom Zone criminals about to face their fate. So, yeah, so after the uh, executive producer Ilya Salkine, we get the uh, credit where it's... Um, Produced by Pierre Spengler, who is someone I'm completely unfamiliar with. There's lots of producers. But then we get to the yeah. big credit, directed by Richard Donner. And I love that on the audio commentary, Richard Donner gives himself a round of applause when his name comes up. <laughs> you know, I was going to go back and, you know, to, again, to refresh people. We're watching the original cut as found on all the current DVDs, Blu-rays. Um, so it's the 143-minute cut of the movie. Right, the version that aired in th- that played in theaters. Right, right, the original theatrical cut. Uh, but you know, it's I'm not sure that they didn't tweak some of the sound. I don't have a working VCR because I don't seem to remember the credits being as loud as they were, like the sound of the letters and the sound of the words as they come in and they swoosh in, you know. But maybe they were, and maybe and maybe it's just they clean the audio up, you know. I, you know, because sometimes when they remaster movies, they play with things like that, and it brings things forward and pushes other things back, and then people complain, well, that's not right now, it doesn't sound right and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, Donner's name definitely has a like a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> as it like locks into the screen, you know, and it's, it's like, well this deserved. is my movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well-deserved. I mean, this guy, this is guy is the hero of the Superman. I mean, again, we talked about it in the first episode, considering how close we came to an absolute nightmare of a movie. Uh, right. Richard Donner is really the, the, the guy that drives all this. So then, so after the credits, we get our first shot of Krypton's son, uh, which, of course, is an ominous thing uh, for those of us in the know of what's going to happen to Krypton. Uh, right. and then, you know, and then, then we get our, our, our through the clouds, and then we get the shot of, of course, uh, a structure on Krypton which looks a lot like what will eventually the Fortress of Solitude will look like. Uh, so, Chris, like, when you were a kid, right, I don't know, maybe you don't remember because, again, you said you were only four, but, like, you know, this Krypton does not look like anything like the Krypton from the comics. Uh, like, right. Did that bother you as a kid? Did that were you like, hey, that's not Krypton, or did, were you just accepting of this is the movie version? It's fine. Well, I think I was so young at that point. I don't think it bothered me because I don't. I probably had been exposed to the comic version of Krypton here and there, and and I think uh, on the Super Friends uh, they showed Superman's origin a couple times. So I probably saw it there, but. I don't think it was ingrained in me as it would be later. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one reason that they didn't go with that look is it was heavily derivative of Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon and, uh, you know, the rocket ships, the cityscapes, uh, even the clothes they wore. You know, they all had capes and headbands, very Alex Raymondy looking. And, uh, you know, I think they probably felt, and I don't know this, but I'm, I'm just guessing that they probably felt that audiences in 1978 would look at that and say, ah, I've been there, done that. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of campy. I mean, the, the Flash Gordon movie two years later 
kept that look to be campy. You know, it it, mm-hmm. it 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 made a conscious decision to keep that look and feel and play it up for camp. So I think that's one reason why they went with this completely new alien look. And, and I mean, it, it comes. I mean, I, it's it's almost like it's out of nowhere. I mean, that this idea that this is this crystalline world that you know these giant these cities are built out of like cliffs. I mean, were they sculpted? Did they? have some technology like we see later with the fortress that made them rise up out of the ice and the crystal I, who knows but it's just it's fascinating to think how this krypton really works beyond the few minutes that we see of it and it's it's still it resonates today that in the different versions of superman yeah i think it's a really beautiful i mean that the, the the pan shot that we have over these these sort of icy cliffs and to me if you kind of squint hard it looks a little reminiscent of the Death Star Trench. Uh, yeah. With these sort of very straight angles, and it's kind of – here it's a little bluer, but the Death Star, of course, is grayer. But it looks to me a little Death Star Trenchy, you know, just that kind yes. of straight angles and these sort of lines that are shooting down. And so, yeah, even when I was a kid, it didn't bother me because, you know, for, for you younger nerds, you know, you're used to everything being exactly like the comics because that's the fidelity that you expect. But when you were a kid of the 70s, you had to really put up with a lot of strange adaptations, whether it be a blonde Wonder Woman or, uh, you know, <laughs> or a superhero <laughs> roast featuring Batman and and, uh, and Robin giving a toast to the Riddler. You know, you had to really put up with very strange versions of what you were familiar with. So so this one, this one seemed suitably serious enough that it never bothered me. I was seven when I saw this movie and I just kind of went, OK, that's that's the Krypton of the movie. So we, right. see, we see this great dome, uh, very like this perfect circle, like a flawless circle. And then we pan our way in and then we get our first shot of the council, which is, I, again, I think one of the, you know, very early on, one of the great visuals of this movie. The idea that the jury that you are being put in front of is just these, these ghost-like faces out of the mm-hmm. darkness. It's really creepy. Well, you know, and it's kind of weird because in a way they kind of flip the comic version of the Phantom Zone on its head because the council seems like ghostly heads, mm-hmm. which in the comic book, the Phantom Zone uh, characters appear as ghosts, you know. And so and, and I think it's fantastic that the first line you hear in this movie is Jor-El saying, this is no fantasy, no yeah. careless product of wild imagination. That's a shot across the bow that says, we're playing this sincere. Yeah. This is... <laughs> We're, we're not goofing around here. This isn't campy. We're not poking fun at this. We mean it, you know. But they still have the sense to keep a certain amount of humor and lightheartedness about it, unlike <clears throat> other modern films. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what you're referring to. But, uh, but yeah, I love that opening line. That is really a beautiful – it really does set the stage that we are going to – we're being presented with a myth. You know, this is, and I think this is even something Richard Donner referred to Superman as. It's an American myth. It's a, you know, yes. it's our modern myth, and here he is laying it out in front of you. And I'm assuming that was a Mankiewicz line or some combination. And it really, I'm glad you brought that up because it is a great, great opening for that to be essentially the first line of the movie. I mean, that little kid who's reading the comic book has dialogue, but not really. This is the right. first active line of, of dialogue. And so then we get our shot of. Of Marlon Brando with his spit curl, uh, which is kind of a nice little detail. And then he's walking around, mm-hmm. and then we, then we have our shot of the Phantom Zone. I keep calling them the Phantom Zone criminals. We don't know they're the Phantom Zone criminals. Of course, we, we see the three bad guys. Again, another 
beautiful, simple effect. Those rings that keep them yes. sort of in stasis. These little hula hoops, incredibly simple, probably pretty cheap to pull off, but completely effective. Yeah, and I mean, it looks like it's, you can just imagine that it's some kind of, it's it's like a force field prison. Yep. You know, it's it's not, uh, that's not, I mean, they can't just simply walk through the rings and right. get out. I mean, it's somehow containing them, you know. Yeah, it's beautiful. And of course, we also see when we get our sort of half shot of Marlon Brando as Jarrell, we see that he has got the Superman S shield on his chest. And I think that was the movie's contribution to the comic yes. book lore was the notion well, of, or am I wrong about that? No, I, I think you're right. And, and I'm, I'm almost, almost certain you're right. And my understanding, I've read this, that that was Brando's idea that he have the same symbol that Superman did. Um, so, you wow, know, basically Marley. because, <laughs> yeah, way to go. I mean, because that became the L family crest and like everything after this, I mean, you know, it's in almost every adaptation, it just happens to look like somewhat like an earth S right. And uh, then somebody usually Lois connects the dots and calls him Superman because he's flying around with this S looking thing on his chest. And it also makes Superman seem less pompous because he's not saying, well, I'm Superman. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a great uh, guy here. Yeah. Yeah, exa- exactly. So, yeah. So yay for him. And I, I like the fact that he's in this scene, he's wearing black robes like an executioner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it. It's, I love all the colors of this. There's no primary colors here. Everybody's in these dark grays. We get these slow pans across the three villains. Uh, we talk about, he mentions Nan, who calls him, I think, unthinking at one point. And then there's a line he has about Ursa, which always kind of chilled me to the bone when I was a kid, where he says, Ursa, whose perversions threatened even the children of Krypton. And I'd like the, mm-hmm. the word that he used, perversions, like that, that's a, that's a loaded word. You know, he's not just talking about that she's violent. It's something sicker. You know, I mean, that's how I always took it. It's like, wow, she's really weird. You know, like Nod just well, wants to break people's faces, but Ursa's kind of more mean-spirited. Right, yeah. And, you know, you get that scene where we're jumping into another movie here, but in Superman 2, when, you know, uh, the – who, which one is it that throws like the the uh, the siren at that kid and it like explodes? And, oh, Ursa! And yeah, says, she's the one who does it. Yeah. She does it, and he says the guy's like she was. He was just a boy, and she's like with glee. He'll never become a man, you know. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like she's got some sick, twisted uh, thing about hurting kids, which is like God. That's just nasty. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, that's great. I love the way that Sarah Douglas glares at. Uh, at uh, at uh, when he says that, I think that's terrific. And then, of course, we move on to General Zod, Rimuzan, and featured by Terrence Stamp. And apparently, Terrence Stamp was nervous to work with Marlon Brando. Like he was just, you know, this was one of his idols, and he was really nervous. Now, luckily, he doesn't. I guess for himself, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue. He basically has to just stand there as Jorel reads him the reads of the charges and whatever. But uh, that's kind of an interesting idea that, like, you know, you think these guys are all professionals. But nevertheless, it's Marlon Brando. You know, Marlon right. Brando is there, and you you have to stand there and be as good as Marlon Brando in any given scene. And so then he asks the uh, the counsel for their verdict, and they all, it's unanimous guilt. Well, it's, they all say he's guilty, and then Zod says the, uh, the, the, the vote must be unanimous, Jarrell. You know, you can spare us. And I think right. it's an interesting idea of what Krypton justice works out that 
because it seems that Jarrell is the prosecutor, but also the judge. That's that's an mm-hmm. interesting idea that he's prosecuting the case. Why would he, if he's prosecuting the case, then say to Zod, "Yeah, but I'm voting not guilty, though." Like, why why would he do that? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I like that 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 uh, Zod appeals to Jorel. He mentions he's disagreed with the council before, mm-hmm. and this makes Jorel seem more like a radical mm-hmm. than his peers. And it also makes you question the council because you kind of know you're going to be rooting for Jorel. He's Superman's dad, you yeah. know, and it's yep. and it's Marlon Brando, you know, <laughs> so. So it, 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 it creates a, a nice little – I mean it automatically sets up the fact that you're going to immediately roll your eyes at the Kryptonian council when you get to see him basically. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's a great it's – a, this is a wonderful setup to the situations of this movie and it's very economical. I mean we're, we're – you know, we, we're doing the movie five minutes at a time but we're really only a couple of minutes proper into the movie. Right. And we've already got you know, the idea of how Krypton works – and how that Jorel is not exactly in league with the rest of Krypton. We're mm-hmm. we going to get to see what they're doing, that there are criminals of this planet. And just on a purely commercial level, how ballsy is it to set up your sequel in the first five <laughs> minutes of your first movie? That's pretty gutsy. Yeah, I mean, they, they were filming both at the same time, but what if this movie tanked? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like... Oh, it would have been oh, all man. that footage we never get to see. The only part of the sequence that bothers me is that Marlon Brando does not know how to pronounce Krypton. <laughs> Krypton. He says Krypton. Krypton. It's not Krypton. It's Krypton, Marlon. Now, I know you're getting paid a, like a million dollars for like 11 minutes of screen time, but still, you can learn how to say Krypton. Come on, man. You're driving me, driving me crazy with that. Well, here, here's the thing. you you, you got to kind of wonder, when he said Krypton, did anybody try to correct him? <laughs> did anybody like Shatner have thing where Shatner mispronounces yeah. words and nobody has the guts to sabotage? <laughs> sabotage, yeah, renaissance, yeah. you know, or whatever. Right, and and so I mean, like, did Donner like? I mean, you kind of wonder with somebody whispering, "Did he say Krypton?" It's like, yeah, I think he did. Just roll with it, you know. I mean, I, <laughs> we're not getting a second and, take out of Marlon Brando, so. Well, and of course, infamously, you know, and I mean, he admitted to it that he he used cue cards. I mean, he 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 didn't memorize his lines. He he knew the gist of what he was going to say, but he I mean, it's not like he he never read the script and they had cue cards there. Obviously, he was involved. Apparently, he even had some amount of casting approval of who got cast as who, uh, you know, if you believe some of the things you read online. But so. You know, he would have like his his lines in different places. Like, you know, I kind of wonder were they written on the crystal wand? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but but you don't notice it. I mean, his his defense of that was if he over rehearsed his lines, then they just came out as lines. They weren't spontaneous. They didn't have a life to them. And you know, but you kind of got to wonder what did the other actors think of that? You know, mm-hmm. what did. Terrence Stamp think of that? What did Trevor Howard think of that? You know, these guys are are professionals with quite a few movies under their belts. I mean, I know uh, Terrence Stamp was per- fairly young then, but he'd been in some big movies and he kind of dropped off the face of the earth for 10 years and then came back for this. But, but you know, it, it, it makes you wonder what did, is it because he's Marlon Brando? They're just like, well, that's, that's Brando. He's, he's Brando. So if that's what works for him, I'm not going to, you know, criticize him because, mm-hmm. He's Marlon Brando. It, it, it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall on that set yeah. when, when Brando was there. <laughs> the one thing I had read about it, apparently that when he did all that stuff on The Godfather where he had 
cue cards pasted on people's foreheads and on their chests. Uh, it was uh, Robert Duvall apparently had enough kind of cojones to mess with Brando, and he would write out incorrect lines or do funny doodles just to mess Brando up. So Duvall, <laughs> Duvall was comfortable enough to F with Brando, but most people were not. So I think that's kind of that's funny, funny idea. I was going to say Robert Duvall could get away with that, yeah. yeah Robert Duvall. <laughs> Even in 1974, Robert Duvall was still Robert Duvall. So, uh, so right. then we get, uh, you know, Zod makes his final pitch to, uh, to, to Jor-El. Uh, it's not the most effective pitch in the world because he says your your voice will be uh, yours will be an important voice of the new order, second only to my own. Like, yeah, wow, what a motivator that is, Zod. Right. <laughs> you'll only, you'll just be under my heel, Jarrell. It's not that bad of a deal. Like, okay. Uh, but we get this great series of close-ups between uh, Zod's eyes and his mouth, as of course he makes this very fateful promise where he says, you will bow down before me one day, both you, and then one day, your heirs. And I love the way um, Donner lets the music drop out and there's just silence and you hear that threat slightly echo. Mm -hmm. uh, Because obviously, you know, we know what's coming. Uh, I I, I actually think this scene works better after you've seen Superman 2. Because yes. you, you know the extent of it, and you're like, Zod's not making an empty threat. I mean, he's, no. he's actually going to pull off what he's promising here. That you know, hey Jarrell, not only are you going to die at my hand because of what you've done, you're doing to me now, so will your son. That's a pretty right. ballsy threat to make, and Stamp really pulls it off. I mean, to me, it really sets Zod up as you know, pretty pretty bad villain. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic sequence right there. And even if we all jokingly think he says your ass instead of your heirs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean you can't hear that. It's easy to hear it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, if you, but yeah, if you hear it that way, yeah, you can mishear it. And then you're like, oh, it's all I can't. I can't unhear that now. Right, right. But it, it's, yeah, I love Terrence Stamp anyway, and it, especially as odd. But, uh, you know, and it's in that next instance, though, after the rage subsides, he it then hits him oh my god this is this is really going to happen you know yeah. we're really getting put into the phantom zone and it's it's a fantastic bit of acting that his face just drops into this panic you know i mean it, while it, while the camera's on him it's 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 fantastic yeah and the final part of this uh, 10 minutes is we get three three successive shots of the kryptonian villains as they we see the dome open and this beam of light come down, and we see Zod, and then Ursa, and then the final shot right at the 10-minute mark is of Nan looking scared. And you figure if Nan is scared, this is bad. This is real bad, uh, what's going to happen. And one of the things that uh, maybe we should wait until the next section, but I'm sort of curious about, is like, do the Phantom Zone, I keep calling them that, do do, do the terrible trio, let's call them that, do, do, these, do these guys know what's coming? It, like, does, does anybody know what the Phantom Zone is exactly like because mm. you know it's you know like when you get bashed b- banished to the phantom zone you don't come back so how does anybody know what the phantom zone is if you're a criminal you just disappear well, well with zod being a general and being the in charge of the security on krypton uh, i would think he probably banished people to the phantom zone before himself you're probably or had been right, there when yeah. they did when they did it because they do mention that he was like he was the head of the the military, uh, the defense on on Krypton. Uh, so you know, I I would think he would. And of course, in the comics, 
uh, they don't really mention. I don't think they mention it here. Maybe in the extended cut, but I don't think so. That uh, Jorel discovered the Phantom Zone, or you know, you know, whatever you want to. He he's the guy that that created it as the prison that they use uh, for criminals on on Krypton. So <laughs> <laughs> don't you get it now, Chris? Now come on, we're gonna get no, it. No. Get it. I'm gonna send you to the Phantom Zone. He's like Krypton one more time. So yeah, that's the end of the ten minutes. I mean, this is a gangbuster five minutes. I mean, this is just. This whole sequence is is so thrilling. It's so well done. And I'm glad that we still have a little more of it to talk about uh, in the next section. But I guess that's going to do it for this episode of Superman Movie Minute. Do we have anything else we want to talk about before we sign off? I think we've pretty much covered all that uh, through this segment anyway. All right. Well, it said you can find this and all the first previous episode of Superman Movie Minute and all the shows that Chris hosts and I host and we host together and host separately and co-host over on our (laughs) network site, which is Fire and Water podcast.com there you can leave comments we really want to have a discussion about superman the movie so please leave comments over there or you can send email over at fireandwaterpodcast.com so thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next week on superman movie minute this country is safe again superman thanks to you no sir don't thank me warden we're all part of the same team night